2: Filled-up RPGs, or pen-and-paper games, are something that I hold near and dear to me. They are social gatherings of collective storytelling in various settings, letting you and your friends create scenes and tales of adventure that you can share, or sometimes complete strangers. These games are ripe with choice and are sandboxes in as much as the storyteller and the players can imagine it to be. The only limit is what you want to do, and if you have the coins, stats, dice, or knowledge to do it. Video games have sought to emulate this experience for decades, and as a result, the RPG video game series were born. Choice in character development, deep story, immersive setting, and choice all come together to produce a powerful player experience. Some games have done this better than others, drawing you into the characters in the world. Others fall decidedly short, failing to deliver and leaving us feeling deflated and disappointed. The Shadowrun franchise is a series of games that I personally worried about. The cyberpunk dystopia has been home to some of my favorite misadventures since the early 1990s, but the system can be difficult to capture and execute properly. My fear was that the system would be overly simplified to accommodate for the limitations of being a video game, and that we would lose the ability to customize our characters. Because after all, sometimes, you just want to be a cyborg ninja monk who can punch through five inches of tempered steel. To my surprise, and my joy, Harebrained Schemes has perfectly captured the atmosphere of the setting feeling of the world, and the brutality of the game, while delivering a cohesive, immersive, and snark-filled story, where you can choose who lives and who dies at your discretion in Shadowrun Hong Kong. So I don't know about you guys, but I've been having a blast since this game first came out.
0: Damn, dude, you nailed it on the first try. Now, that is not right <laughs> because I fuck up my intros almost every time and you nailed it on the first try, you bastard. That's I so know true. you were practicing while you were on the crapper for like hours. I
2: this moment alone, I was made.
0: Bastard. I can see him for like the last three days. Whenever he's on the can reading, just prepping. <laughs> Tarts at the door, knocking. What the hell are you
1: doing in there?
2: So I should tell you that I did this at work today on my lunch, and that was my first read through. That was awesome. Good job. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it was pre-recorded, and you just piped it through. Yeah, really. Oh God, I'm not that clever. Come on, Vince. You've met me. Um,
0: I'm obviously not going to be taking part in the conversation for this as much, simply because I haven't gotten anywhere near as far as you guys have. I had a, well, Joe and I talked about it. I had (laughs) way too much difficulty with um, uh, one of the early missions, Mm -hmm. actually. And it got to the point where... There was no winning. I there was nothing I could do to get past that point. And it's not like I was on hard difficulty. I was on normal. I was like in the middle. And it it's not like I'm I'm new to the genre either. So and part of it was the system itself. I wasn't used to the 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 stats allocation and whatnot for Shadowrun specifically. And also what kind of class necessarily is going to do better in different missions because I found it exceptionally frustrating, which was too bad because I was digging it up until that point. And I'm sure I'll continue to dig it. I did get past that point and I did play for a few more hours after and I'm, I'm going to be going back into it. It's just been hectic as all hell. But I found that especially that like one experience really kind of pointed to the flaws that are in the system that something that early on on normal could land someone in that much trouble that they're looping endlessly unless they completely restart it. To me, that kind of is a failure. Not something that stops you from playing, obviously, but it was pretty telling for me.
1: Yeah, that's one of the negatives I can point out about the game is it's not very friendly to people who don't already have that understanding of how Run is supposed to work. Like, I don't know exactly which part you were on, but I know there was one of the other earlier missions where if you didn't have Isabel or Ractor with you, you were pretty much ass out. You had to restart from the town. And there's people online like, oh, well, why would you go on a run without your Decker or your Rigger? And people are like, I didn't know. This is the first time I've ever played
2: Shadowrun. See, and, and that is that is a definite flaw of the system, and that's one of those things that is a really hard translation from tabletop to game. Um, and this is something that I'll be combating with you two, actually, in the weeks to come. But the game is really based around having a five-player party, which is really, really weird for most RPGs. Um, and in here, you only get a four-player party. And the reason that it's based around a five-player party is so that you have one of every type of character represented. Um, And they don't let you do that here. And it is, it can be very grueling and it can be very hard uh, for certain missions. There's only been a handful that I've seen that have really been that, had that problem. There's only been like two or three. Uh, The first one is actually probably the most brutal, uh, especially if you're not familiar with what to do. And that's the intro. And I'm talking about like (laughs) after the Shadowrunners die, after, you know, Duncan's superior gets shot in the face. Uh, and when you're facing off against the military or the military police uh of, of Hong Kong that is the most brutal and probably the best introduction i can possibly think to a shadowrun game
0: i think that's actually where i was having the problems it this is, is after exactly you get so the yeah cuz you're you're at the docks it's the your the, in combat. the initial Guys are a joke, and yeah. then even once you get through the, the the fence that she unlocks, you get in, the, that was a joke as well. It's when you go and talk to the crew that has Isabella, or whatever the hell their name is, and the others, and they get shot in the face, the big dude, and then from there, you're fighting the police force. That spot there. The problem is, is that, well, you're the one that told me, just run through it. Just make yeah, your way and- through it, and you'll be fine, but... If you don't know that and what you want to do is actually fight your way through it, I mean, I'm sure somebody can do it and it's possible. But even on easy, because I dropped the setting, even on easy, I couldn't fight my way through killing everybody. It did not work. I had to start back again and I tried a few times and I had to just escape. That,
2: that's wrong. That's just fucking wrong. I will agree and disagree at the same time. I agree with you that the way that they have it set up is a little bit incorrect in so much as not that it's a bad introduction to the setting because Shadowrun is a brutal setting. Like combat is awful and something that for most people, is something to be avoided at all costs, unless you have a grenade launcher with infinite ammo. Um, but it's one of those things where they should have had an NPC at some point say something we can't win this, we should make a run for it, or something along yes, those lines. Yes. There should have been a little a little snippet and and the the I noticed that the the three quests, the three missions that you can go on that have that ability that, that basically you can just become so stymied you can't progress, um, needs that little tiny bit of hand holding, that little tiny push. Uh, it's that one, the dig site, and then Quion, which is right at the end are probably the three absolute roughest missions in the entire game. Even for me, the dig site was rough.
1: (laughs) And I have experience, and I I was min-maxed in the game. (laughs) See, I don't think it's holding
0: the the player's hand, per se. If, If what you're trying to do is escape unscathed and just run through, then yeah, that's holding your hand. But if what you actually want to do is fight your way through, and you can't, it's just not possible to win by brute force... It's no longer about, oh, we'll hold your hand just to show you that you're supposed to be a coward and run through. So it's, but I agree with you, oh. it needs something saying, oh, just run. You know, let's make a break for, for it.
1: For the record, I fought my way through no problem and that was did my you really? that was with my main character not even having a gun yet because they didn't start him with one for some reason. Nobody did because you were not uh, you were not right. actually a combatant Th- at that Thankfully, point. Thankfully I had points in cyber combat. Yeah, yeah, I you had I used a knife,
2: just throwing a knife. I was a shaman. I just summoned a whole bunch of spirits and just threw them at people. Let me tell you, fire spirits and technology, great combination. Well, my
0: babs freaking useless. <laughs> The only thing I like about him is he's a sarcastic
2: bastard. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, and and, and that's the thing, too. Like, and that's one thing I really do love about the system that they have in place here is even though it's not as free-flowing as, like, a regular tabletop RPG, the snark is there. You can be as kind or as much of an asshole as you want to be, and those options change, like, what's available to you as far as dialogue choices throughout, and there are repercussions as you make those dialogue choices down the line and I really do enjoy that because that's what happens in this game is like you make a friend and then you double cross that friend and then you are a complete asshole to that person and well there comes a time where you might need to call on them and then you just can't they don't want anything to do with you um, one thing I did notice and I don't know if you've gotten this far yet Roger I really enjoyed the new technological Babylon that they had set up there um, I know Vince with the elves. And, oh, I, and I love
1: <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious that it was like the day after I'd made Limbo and there were so many parallels <laughs> between the characters.
2: Well, it's perfect, too, because it was a perfect representation of the race. And that's something that is one of those weird things, because people think elves, they think, oh, one with nature and all the stuff all the time. No, they see the spirit in the machine. They integrate with technology. They understand the world as they exist in it now, currently. And I thought that was a great representation. Plus, I really enjoyed the sort of noir detective uh, unraveling that you did there. And I thought it was was a really really
1: good mission. But I think there they kind of held your hand maybe a little too much. Of okay, I found the clue, and all of a sudden, without even really deciphering the clue, the the mission prompt said, "Okay, now go here." But overall, it was a very enjoyable mission.
2: Yeah, and for me, I think it's one of those things where it almost feels like they couldn't figure out where to get their balance quite yet. Like, those are very early missions in development. And then about, I don't know, three missions in, they hit their stride and everything starts falling into place. Um, But there's a lot of interesting NPCs, a lot of interesting characterization. And what really got me, too, is this is all precursor to stuff that happens in the book in Hong Kong before it becomes really the free enterprise zone, which is really cool because there's this real big nebulous place where this game exists as far as as Shadowrun fans are concerned that it's actually filling in the gaps. And Catalyst, uh, who does the pen and paper, worked with Harebrain to make that all canon, and I think that's absolutely phenomenal as well.
0: When you say book, you mean the RPG... Yep,
2: core book kind of things. You don't mean actual? Do they actually have novels for this? Yes, several. Mm-hmm. They have. They've had dozens since the nineties. Are they any good? Some are really good. Um, some are bad. Okay. It, it, if there's one thing you could say about Catalyst, they love publishing things. They do. <laughs> they they were actually one of the first companies that did um, fan uh, submissions for books. So they, if they got a story, they enjoyed it, they would actually publish the book for the fan under their banner. Do you know offhand some of the ones that actually
0: are worth reading?
2: I can give you a list, um, but not off the top of my head. I'd have to go back through because there are literally like, there's like 30 books. Right. Okay. But, and and I can make a list and we can always post it with this. When I they, can uh, put it on the site. Yeah. Yeah. So that anybody who's interested in the setting can actually go through and read along. I would um, like to. That's
0: the thing. I, I I really, really like the setting a lot. I I absolutely adored it. And that's why it was frustrating when I wasn't able to get through kind of thing, because I really wanted to sink my teeth into this. And that's also why, even though I was more quiet last week when we did our, our, our run through, I'm, I, I can't express how much I love that setting. And I like the idea of our characters and everything that's going on. So... I'm going to be getting back into it and uh, and getting further along ahead. And it's one of those things where if there were any novels that actually are really worth reading, I would love to immerse myself into that world more.
2: Absolutely. And uh, that's something that should be, you know, on everybody's list if they enjoy this type of setting. One thing I will say uh, off the top of my head, the Shadowrun Primer, it's available for free on the Catalyst website it gives you a complete breakdown of the timeline from the original game release to current to the fifth edition book release uh, and all the major events in between. And that's actually really good. If you want to know about the races, how everything happened, uh, how the magic came about, how the previous worlds were. It gives you a really great base. And if you really want to dive into the books, while they some of them do a fantastic job of telling the past story, the Shadowrun Primer f- from Catalyst is probably your first must-read if you're interested in this, this specific setting because it sets the framework perfectly for everything. And it's a free download from their website. Cool. Okay. Okay. So I will say, uh, the other thing that I did enjoy about this game, one last one last thing is that the way they do Undead, um, not just your Ronin that you have with you. Gaiju is awesome. Gaiju is one of the best scripted characters I have ever had in an RPG. I absolutely love him. But he's also a perfect representation of the HMHVV virus and how it infects and talks and goes through. And there's also a mission where you have to go and you wind up facing against a vampire and this is something that in the books uh, the rpgs and even some of the the literature they only lightly touch on and you start to see that there's more shades of gray here it's not like they're just not mindless ghouls. they're not just blood-sucking vampires they're not just soulless they're really a, an entire class of mutation of being they exist and the game does a really good job of characterizing that and that's something that the the setting has been lacking for 30 years and it's finally there
0: vince you got any important thoughts on the, the game
1: um i really enjoyed it overall And I'm really happy to see the changes Harebrain has made from game to game and really improved a lot of the gameplay aspects of it, made it a lot smoother, made it more customizable. I think for their next attempt, though, they need to do some of those quality of life improvements like it really got a little grating to me of the game having so much dialogue and it all being kind of crammed into that one quarter of the screen. Because that's a UI yeah. element they've been using for several games now. But Hong Kong had so much more dialogue than its predecessors. It really got a little annoying to me. It was just... like Even though it's the same amount of text, the way it's displayed, it, just, it does make a difference. And, like, I love all the characters and all the conversations and stuff. It just... it just got a little tiring to read sometimes. So I'd like to see them do some more like UI improvements, like the the gameplay, I think they have nailed. Now I prefer to see them focus on some of those other things or like the actual game flow where I spend five minutes on a mission and then spend 20 minutes talking to people to go to another 10 minute mission. There's a little imbalance there. Not that I didn't enjoy talking to the people, but there's just a certain pace that I think the game was slightly missing, but I still loved it overall.
0: I know that it might not be a popular opinion because a lot of people like to equate these types of games to their pen and paper equivalents but that being said this game would go a lot further in my mind i would have enjoyed it a lot more i would enjoy it a lot more if there actually was some manner of voice acting in
1: it. yes that's the next yeah because
0: again a lot of people will be like no no that'll take away from the pen and paper you have to read and all that and that's all well and good you don't have to have it fully voiced over but
1: some voice work. Yeah, give, you know, Anti Chang or, you know, Gobbit. Give them voiceovers. You yeah, don't need everybody. Yeah,
0: because it, it really adds an entire layer of depth to the game that is not there right now. And it makes a difference. It does. So that's the the one thing that I would suggest. And, and I mean, they can afford it. Their Kickstarters are successful. Yes, voiceover work is is expensive, but if you look at it in terms of how many more sales it could also produce, because it will be more appeal, it will have more appeal for, for everyone, then
2: you got to factor that in. All I'm saying is, Hairbrain, I, I will do this for just a copy of the next game. I will be more than happy to come out there, record lines for you. That's great. I'll do it. That's fine. Yeah. And dork
0: number three <laughs> will be voiced by Joel Order. <laughs> All right. Okay. Any parting thoughts, Joe, before we move on?
2: Uh, just basically everything that you guys said. I think it's a fantastic entry into the series. I would love to see some quality of life improvements, and I would love to see the genre grow. They've proven that they can make a fantastic game. Now they just need to make it even better.
0: Yeah. Okay. We're going to touch on BlizzCon, but we're actually going to put that towards the end of the show because there's <laughs> going to be
1: arguments. <laughs> Without a doubt. So we'll
0: wait and we'll prep for that.
1: I used a dirty word in a tweet to Roger. <laughs> so did I. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I I I'll, I got you both beat because I pissed Joe off in aim. <laughs> well,
1: for, yeah, yeah. In all fairness, I was in agreement with Roger, but I used a very dirty word.
0: <laughs> we're first going to touch on the Paris Games week. Now we would have touched on this last week, but we had our shadow run session, so we didn't get a chance to. And we're not going to go too deep into it. But there were a few announcements that actually were fairly interesting. Now, the I didn't go through and watch every single thing that was there because there was actually quite a bit that was there. But I did watch the Sony presser, and I was really impressed. And, I mean, now I've got both consoles, so I don't care who comes out with what whenever. Oh, if it's good, I'll pick it up. It doesn't matter kind of thing. But the stuff that's coming out for the PS4 that they talked about, and we did get actually some, some new stuff, some really fucking awesome new stuff, <laughs> but also some new trailers and all kinds of stuff. Man, like, the the quality of games that's going to be coming out for that console is just batshit crazy. So I'm going to run through some of the stuff here that I had highlighted. You guys feel free to stop me at any time to put in your two cents of whatever you got to watch on this. The first one was Battleborn, which we've talked about oh, before. Man. But we got quite a bit more here that was shown, including a ton of gameplay. And it's really hard for me to say whether I'm more excited about this than Overwatch, but part of me kind of goes, yeah, I kind of really am.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know why? I have I have two reasons. One, story. Two, co-op story. That that's pretty good.
1: Can't really argue. Yeah.
2: The the thing that
0: again, we love gearbox games. So mm-hmm. They've got over. that going for them, so that's that's good. Now that said, console control scheme on last Borderlands games not the best. It has me a little concern for what it may be on this kind of thing. But regardless, everything that I'm seeing about this game just makes me want to play it. And again, even more so than than Overwatch. It's just spectacular. The gameplay is batshit crazy. Just looks like so much fun. And it also looks like it's a lot more in-depth in terms of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, I know I'm making the comparison just to Overwatch, but it applies to any such game kind of thing. But it really looks like it's going to have... A lot more to hold you while you're playing than just the Team Fortress 2 esque gameplay.
1: Somebody was on drugs when they designed part of this game <laughs> this game, man. and bless them for it because God, I love it. The crazier this game gets, and it gets crazier every time we see it, the more I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see the trailer for
0: Boundless?
2: No. No. Oh
0: really freaking cool really it's just this really interesting little kind of world building rpg thing but you kind of go through these portals that lead you to other worlds that have dark versions of what you've got in yours it was Super interesting. I don't have enough information about it yet to know whether it's one of those games like, yeah, I got to play this right away. But when I saw the trailer for it, it was like, holy crap. Yeah, that looks really freaking dope. Really cool. Um, They talked about Matterfall as well, which looked cool. And they talked about, they showed the Ratchet and Clank, the new trailer. Did you guys see that shit? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. We're Yeah, next gen, it's here. When you're seeing some of these trailers and also the gameplay and you're looking at it and going and comparing it to, again, we, we've played through the Ratchet and Clank games. And I mean, those that shit looked good on the PS3 and the PS2 even kind of thing. But you can remember directly what it looked like and, and how it played and all that. And you see this and it's like, holy shit. Like that is an insane leap forward. Looked awesome. And then... We got more on Horizon Dawn. They could just stop talking about this game yeah. and it's like, yeah, you've got my money. Like I
1: just tell me when I can buy it and go yeah, away.
0: Yeah. Because honestly, <laughs> I've been talking about this on Twitter. It's with a bunch of new expenses, really, really cutting back on game purchases right now. And so there's different games like Fallout 4 that I can't buy right now. It's not that I want to. I simply can't. Rise of the Tomb Raider, I can't right now. Every time I see this, it's like, I'm not going to have a choice. <laughs> I'm going to have to be laying down. There's a couple of these games where it's like, oh, I that Horizon Dawn looks amazing. And the gameplay as well where you are really having to think on your feet while you're fighting these massive mech creatures of where the vulnerabilities lie, what weapons you're going to use, knocking down the fucking cannon on that thing so that you could use it against itself. I was like, oh, you bastards. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it looks spectacular. And the more I see of the story as well, the more I am entranced by it and really, really want to play it.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those games that every time I see anything about it, I just, it just keeps going. Like it just, my hype, my hype level just keeps going yeah. up and yeah. up and up. I have not seen anything that has dissuaded me from having to own that game.
0: <laughs> and then Drive Club's gonna have some bikes and I'm gone. Are they going to charge for that shit? (laughs) Seriously, Drive Club, you really think you're getting money from us? No. Anyways, got a lot more on Gravity Rush 2, which you guys, I'm guessing, are probably not really interested in it. But having played the first one, I really am. And... This cemented that even more because it's got a lot of those same story elements and gameplay elements that I really, really dug from the first one. So I was really happy with what I saw.
1: We have to get around to actually playing that one of these days. I've owned it for like three years now.
0: Yeah, I again, it's it's a game that I really enjoyed a lot. It it just had that Miyazaki feel to it, and then on top of that, I really liked the gameplay, and I liked it on the Vita. About the having to use the back panel in the front and different things, it felt fluid and natural, and I again, I really dug it a lot. So,
2: I'm surprised you haven't already been gushing about. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure you'll get there, but the uh, exclusive VR content that's going to be getting pushed out for the PlayStation as well.
0: Well, we're going to talk about the VR yen a little bit. Uh, before that, did you guys see the Uncharted 4 multiplayer? That looked fun. Mm. Fuck, it looked fun as hell. I I say that thinking I probably will never play it.
2: Well, <laughs> but I mean, you can it, only get yelled at by 12-year-olds so often, but still.
0: Yeah, well, you can turn the volume up for that shit. Um, but it looked like fun. I really liked what they were doing with it, actually. It, it Again, I was impressed with it.
2: Yeah, everything I saw on that looked like it was just a riot. Like, it looked solid. It looked... And and for me, that's a big thing with multiplayer in a lot of these games is that it just has to be fun. Yeah. Uh, And that doesn't have to feel like it's just tacked on for the sake of tacking it on. And here's a good example of something that looks like it's legitimately fun.
0: Well, what I liked about it, too, is that it's not trying to be a Call of Duty multiplayer or a Battlefield multiplayer or anything like that. It's very much an Uncharted, just tossing in all the characters. They've got their own little quirky specials that they can use use the settings that were in the game and things like that and it works it works actually really well i mean we'll know once we actually play it but just from looking at this it freaking looked like a ton of fun uh did you guys see the 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 um the dlc for bloodborne
2: yeah no i think i missed
0: that one it looks awesome Looks awesome. Not playing it, but goddamn, it <laughs> looks awesome. I will it,
1: I will watch people play Let's Plays. That is a great game to experience.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this Dreams game, the more I'm seeing, the more... I want it, but I want to know more about it. And freaking... Bastards don't answer their tweets when you ask them specific questions (laughs) because I've asked them a few times because I want to know. The thing is, is that, I mean, they're allowing you to create from scratch. So I'm thinking of it in terms of a 3D program wherein the creations that you create are yours. You're using their software, but it's yours to use how you deem fit. I don't know if that's going to be the case with this. I highly doubt it. But the fact that you can create these scenes where you can either take screenshots or video means that if it's possible, if it's legal and allowed, you could theoretically be creating visual novels, cutscenes for RPG games, any number of things that you could then use in those other things and that's what I want to know because if we can create whatever we want using that tool as we would say Poser or 3D Studio Max or whatever and then we own the rights to our creations I'm buying it I'm boom done I'm buying that shit because I will create scenes and whatever that I can use then for screenshots or whatever to put into whatever I'm writing or creating or anything like that if that's the case, this has shot up to the top of my must-buy list. I'm that impressed with it.
2: I'm taking note I, of that.
1: It's cool, but I don't know. It, it's also a little too out there for me. <laughs> it's a little too abstract. Well,
0: it depends on what you do with it. Yeah. They showed some scenes like, that I, weren't I as quirky.
1: I a, a, a thought in mind of what I could do with it. So for me, it's just the weird little dream thing. Yeah. But if if it's tapping into some sort of creative juices and other people, great. Yeah.
0: Then they talked on the VR.
1: <laughs> as
0: the hype train just keeps <laughs> building up speed for the, for VR <laughs> right now, we're hearing a lot more about what people are honestly thinking about the different ones as well also because there's delays with some of them and things like that. And people are talking about what their experiences are and just how immersive is it is kind of thing. And like the, 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 the vibe is really impressing people a lot right now, justifiably. So that's going to be cool. Plus it's got steam support, which is freaking huge, or I should say valve support, but the PlayStation VR as well is going to be getting a lot of support by sheer virtue of the fact that it's through Sony. So a lot of different games, I'm quite certain Sony is going to be pushing developers to incorporate it in there and, or providing them incentives. Hopefully that's what they're doing and not just strong arming them. But there's a lot of things with that one that are going to lead to really cool experiences as well. And Like, when they showed off the Gran Turismo is going to be VR, it's like, oh, God, you bastards. (laughs) Because now I need to buy a wheel. (laughs) Because if I can sit down and have my little headset on and I'm in full-on racing mode, yeah, you've pretty much made a sale there. That was freaking awesome. (laughs) And then did you see the VR for the Robinson the Journey from Crytek?
2: That I did not.
0: Picture kind of a floating robot a la Portal 2 kind of thing that follows you around, giving you tips on what to do. And you're in this weird setting, and it's kind of guiding you of where to go, how to proceed. Okay, well, stop, wait. And you look, and there's like this freaking herd of dinosaurs coming to you towards and different shit. And... They didn't show a lot, but what they did show, it was kind of like what destiny should have been with the ghosts kind of thing. You got this dude following you being charming and funny and helping you as you're progressing through this, this environment. And it was gorgeous, gorgeous, funny as hell. And it really showed off what you could do in the starting stages of VR, like for these first few releases kind of thing. It's only going to obviously get better as the VR is out for a few years. But judging from this, it's like really far ahead of the curve of what I thought they would be starting with. It was awesome. Then, the big way Well, they talked about Wild as well, which looked cool, I will say. look looked very cool. But the big one was this Quantum Dream game. I'm trying to remember if we talked about that video on this podcast when it first came out. I want to say we did because it was a proof of concept video that was Mm -hmm. done about the robot that gained sentience.
1: I think we talked about it back when Beyond Two Souls was uh, about to come out. I
0: think so. And then you're like, the video was... Amazing, like they talked about, I think it was what over a hundred or over a million views they got on, it or something like that. I can't remember exactly the figure he said, but I want to say a million. The video just sucks you in and breaks your heart. It was insane. So, of course, they're going to look at the reaction that they got from that and want to build on that. And I'm glad they are. So, when they showed this video for Detroit Become Human. That's the one game as well that I went, okay, well, I don't have any choice there. I have to get this game when it comes out. And the video trailer, while not huge in terms of what it says about what you can expect going forward, we already kind of know enough that what they're selling me on is the setting and the premise. And I'm just, I'm locked in for whatever story they want to tell me from there.
1: We'll see because... I think they're already starting off on a better foot than they were with uh, Beyond, because Beyond, I was never really all that into the premise to begin with, so I didn't have much interest in it once it turned out to be a giant turd. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm interested, but I'm cautious.
0: Joe, did you even see the video?
2: No, I didn't. actually I sent you heard. the link to
0: it.
1: Bastard. <laughs>
0: when it happened,
1: even I sent you the
0: link, okay, uh, Vince, you had seen the video as well. you found the information for that near game as well.
1: Yeah, Square Enix also had a big presence at Paris Games Week, (laughs) including selling Bahamut and Chocobo burgers, which is either awesome or horrifying, depending on who you are. (laughs) Going with horrifying. They talked about a lot of uh, the games that we've seen from them, Deus Ex, Hitman, Just Cause. Of course, Final Fantasy Fifteen was another big centerpiece, but I think we said all we need to say on that game. But the big headline for them at this show was we finally got the reveal of the new Nier game that they teased at E3. And it is officially titled Nier Automata. And this is the game that they are co-developing along with Platinum Games. And they released a trailer, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have that trademark, incredibly stylish Platinum Action, which they do better than just about anybody else in the business. But with that near setting and all the things that made the original game special, which God, now I really do need to go back and play that original game. Cause just the music in this trailer really hyped me up. Like
2: it was astonishing. Gorgeous videos, gorgeous audio. How can you not love it? Yeah. I can't help though. <laughs> I'll be that guy. I
0: can't <laughs> help but watch this and think, why does the cyborg have thigh-high fuck me boots, stockings, and a g-string? Why? Why does it have Vince, to? Vince, would do you like that? to handle that question? <laughs> because
1: Japan. Yes.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> that aside, the game does seem incredibly fascinating. Uh, we come to find out that it takes place on Earth after it's been invaded from by. Invaded by beings from another planet and mechanical life forms with overwhelming power were used as weapons of war, which forced mankind to flee to the moon. In order to take back Earth, a resistance force of android warriors has been created by humanity to fight these invaders. And that's where we pick up with the playable character being this feminine android named 2B. She is part of the human resistance to try and take back Earth. And we come to find out that, for whatever reasons, androids aren't allowed to have emotions. But that's probably going to be playing a very pivotal role in the story going forward. They're they're speaking tight-lipped on the specifics, but we're getting the general setup here. But how they say it relates to the original game without really following it up. So where does it do you know how it touches in, Joe?
2: No, which is really bothering the shit out of me. Okay. (laughs) Because I played the original Nier, and I love that game. I fucking love the shit out of that game. I have no clue where the hell this is going to touch it in any way, shape, or form. Like, this is completely, like, this is left field. (laughs) I have no clue. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm really excited, and I think that everything I'm seeing for it is going to be cool, and it's a really cool setup. And I'm going to play the shit out of this game, too, because I really love the entire setting as a whole, but I have no clue how the two are going to intersect. And that it's bothering me. Cause I'm actually going through, I started <laughs> a new playthrough <laughs> on here and I'm just like, I need to fight, figure this shit out. And
1: I can't. Okay. Cause they, they do say it is set in the same setting after the first game. So some of the locales and the general world will be recognizable to people who played the original, but their their own separate experiences. So if you played the original, you'll pick up on some small little things in Automata, but you're not going to miss anything if you haven't played the original. But man, it just, from one little trailer, I, I got really excited. And all the things I've heard about the original that I, I think now I'm finally going to have to track it down. Yeah, actually, I did like the, um, I did like
0: what I saw and often read that I, I was looking at it in terms of what the that first one would be like it would be fun you also found some information
1: a freaking hysterical interview this was the greatest interview i've ever seen in my life i gotta i I, initially
0: i was looking at it going do i have time to watch this and then i read and it was like five minutes i went i got five minutes i can watch this and then it was like the greatest thing ever and it was like thank you that was awesome thank you
1: I actually went back. Uh, this is from Game Informer. They did this as well with uh, Destiny the Taken King as well as No Man's Sky. And both of those are equally hilarious. The The Destiny the Taken King one is so funny. They keep bringing up Paul McCartney. <laughs> so, it's, it's fantastic. Well, yeah, what they do is they have these hundred-ish question interviews that they knock out in about five minutes. It's just rapid fire. I mean, obviously, it's heavily edited, but from a viewing experience, it's brilliant because you just get this rapid fire lightning round question and answer and they talked a lot about quantum break and it was pretty cool seeing like him trying to give these evasive answers or whatnot but he's under such a constraint he has to think quick on his feet so they're asking him you know no fluff no pr speak can we do this in the game yes or no so it was really cool to get that unfiltered response from the developer, uh, Sam Lake. He's the director of the game and he's been with Remedy going back to the original Max Payne. So they kept bringing up stuff about Max Payne, stuff about Alan Wake, trying to get threads between all the games. It was pretty funny, but early on in the interview, what was very apparent to a lot of people, one of the questions was, will we get to play Alan Wake too? And his immediate response was yes. So happiness all around.
0: Not saying when that's going to happen.
1: No, it could be, you know, 50 years from now. (laughs) It will happen.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would love to see another one with proper lip syncing. (laughs) 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 That's all you got to do to please me, guys. Just fix the goddamn lip syncing and we're good. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I I highly recommend anybody go to uh, Game Informer and check out the interview here for Quantum Break as well as the Destiny and No Man's Sky ones, because those were brilliant. We need more of these.
0: Okay, anything else from Paris Games Week that uh, either of you want to talk about? No. We're just going to jump into BlizzCon.
2: Rig looked fun. (laughs) That's about all I got. I just, I like mech combat.
0: All right. (laughs) Joe, you'll get to talk in a minute. Let's start with some D3, just so that we can give Vince a chance here, and then we'll get into the rest of the And then I'll just go
1: take a break. Well, I'm sure you have some (laughs) words to say as well.
0: Not going to be that bad. We'll uh, we'll start with some D3 news. Go
1: ahead, Vince. So this is from my incredibly uh, biased opinions. (laughs) Diablo 3 was the best game of BlizzCon for me. (laughs) The game that was not on the main stage at all because they had no paid content to discuss, but the amount of free content we're getting for Diablo 3 is very exciting. They talked about the 2.4 patch, which is going to be on PTRs like tomorrow, I think, or later this week at some point. And, yeah. Deployed uh, either late December or early January for, you know, full, full gameplay. And holy crap. <laughs> Again, just the fact that the amount of free content we've gotten for Diablo 3 so far is uh, amazing like i'm in love with it just like we saw with 2.3 they're actually adding new playable areas to the game
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh they're starting off with gray hollow island which is uh, over in the act five area uh around god i forget the name of the place but it's an entirely new place this uh haunted island it's just really creepy really cool looking a lot of weird new monsters in there, some freaky crabs. It's, <laughs> they, they've they definitely leveled up their what the hell is this stuff <laughs> in, in their art design. But beyond that, they also gave a, are giving us the Eternal Woods, which ties in with the Ruins of Sesheron, which was put in with Plat- Patch 2.3, as well as the Royal Quarters, going all the way back to Leoric's mansion in Act 1, and clearing away the rubble that blocked off basically half of the zone. And not only are we going to get new gameplay stuff in there, but they say there's going to be a lot of interesting new lore bits about Leoric's reign. And they're still not only just expanding the gameplay, they're still expanding the story for the game as well. So that's really exciting for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was actually really excited when I heard all of the features that were coming <laughs> and, I, and I enjoy the fact that they're continuing to expand the game. Cause it was one of those things where I really worried that after they fixed all of the problems that they would just drop it and that they would just move on to the next thing. But the fact that they're continuing development, they're continuing adding new items, um, they're adding new set dungeons and new rifts and legendaries and new islands to explore and expanding old areas That's really cool. And I like also the idea that they're doing something, the season rebirth is also something that really kind of intrigues me uh, where you can take a character and bump it down to level one, completely stripped of everything and start a season uh, all brand new with a character that you've already had and keep all of the stuff that you had, just you get it after the season's done. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool feature, especially when you run out of character slots. (laughs) Exactly, that's my big problem. Okay, what character am I going to delete to start a new seasonal tune? Now you don't have to worry about it. You just click a button and you can run through on a Barbarian again. I think that's really cool because seasons have been a lot of fun for me recently. And honestly, I think this is one of the more impressive showings of BlizzCon. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. We also got some cool new
1: gameplay stuff. Uh, Of course, with the new patch, there's going to be lots of reworked items, uh, some new set bonuses coming in. For The one that was really exciting for me is the Shadow's Mantle the new set for, or not the new set, but the revamped set for the Demon Hunter that makes the Demon Hunter a melee class.
2: I didn't see that. Real, yeah, really, really Dude, cool It's all play. about putting people with bows in the melee range. Yeah, right now, yeah. But
1: no, it, it's really interesting and makes me really want to play a Demon Hunter in Season 5 now. And another really interesting one for me is this Legacy of Nightmares. Uh, it's a set of rings. And as it's described, while this is your only item set bonus every ancient item you have equipped increases your damage dealt by 800 percent holy christ so there's going to be a lot of very interesting new builds that involve going away from these really powerful set bonuses and using just a really cool combination of a lot of the other items that get overshadowed because well i need to be wearing my set boots so all these other cool boots just get thrown into the forge and don't forget, it also reduces the damage taken by 4%, which is yes. nothing to scoff
2: at. No, not, not, not <laughs>
1: whatsoever. And with all of this, they're talking about their changes to the season journeys. You know, They're going to be tweaking some things here and there. It's not going to be the same journey we just went through. But as you complete the chapters of the season journey up through chapter 4, you're going to get special caches. And by the end of chapter 4 of your season journey, you're guaranteed to have a six-piece set for your class. And they said which sets are going to rotate, you know, through the seasons and whatnot. And this is important because sets are even more important to the game now than they were before because they're introducing special set dungeons. Once you have your six-piece set bonus of any set, you're given access to a special dungeon that is designed specifically for that set. Special challenges, special enemies that only work with a specific gameplay style, and you're going to have to figure out exactly how to do it. Each uh, dungeon has their, you know, the main objective is just kill a number of enemies without dying. You have secondary objectives that are specific to that dungeon, and then a mastery, which involves doing all of that in a time limit. And all of this is going to unlock, of course, Fabulous cosmetic things, uh, pennants, pets, wings, portrait frames, all, all the cool stuff that we love as Diablo players because there's not a whole lot we can do to show off. So we have to get where, get them where we can. But some of these challenges are pretty cool, uh, like the Yulianas set for the monk. One of the challenges is kill 21 enemies at once with exploding palm.
2: That's a cool speaks challenge. to my soul.
1: <laughs> the firebird set for the wizard. Set 45 enemies on fire within three seconds, or also kill 20 enemies with the meteor that revives you. So you're actually going to have to play to die in order to get that meteor to come and resurrect you and kill a bunch of enemies at the same time. So it's a lot of really technical challenges. For people who don't want to just constantly do that gear grind of rifts and rifts and greater rifts, this gives us something very different to do with its own sort of challenge that I really look forward to. And it's not just okay, this is the monk dungeon. No, no. This is the Yuliana's monk dungeon. This is the Sunwuko's monk dungeon. This is the Inna's monk dungeon. They're designed per set, not just per class. And if you clear all of the set dungeons for one specific class, you get an even bigger bonus on top of that.
0: This was the biggest announcement for me personally for D3. Mm -hmm. This, this made me stop rereading a few times and go, I will be sinking in way too much time completing sets just to be able to do this. Yeah. It was spectacular.
1: My barbarian right now, I have the full waste set, the full immortal King set and the full Rikor set. I only use one of them. The rest are just sitting in my stash unused. This gives me a reason to both, A, use these items that I've worked for, and B, learn a new style of play for the class. I can't just whirlwind through everything if I'm in the right course set.
0: It's not (laughs) even just to learn it, but also gives you the opportunity to play a different style, and it's fun. You might learn something. (laughs) Yeah, It's fun. It's just something to do because – Every as it stands right now, and this is one of the things that I actually think is broken with D3 right now. Every class is playing the same, same way. spec mm-hmm. right now as it stands. All the wizards are the same, all the monks are doing the same. All the, I mean, if yeah, there, you there's a few that are that have variations, but
1: overall, yes, yeah.
0: So this is going to insert. A lot more variety because people are going to be working on getting the best set possible as well for each of those sets. So, again, I think it's going to insert a lot of variety in multiplayer gameplay that is very much needed right now.
1: Yeah. Like if you want to play a zookeeper witch doctor build, you can. There's a use for you in the game now. You're not you know, quote, worthless as far as the community would consider you. Like, nope, if you're a witch doctor you have to be using this exact build or don't bother playing. No, you can play how you want now and the game will tailor itself to you. Alright, anything uh, else? Yeah. Uh, just aside from that, some small little quality of life updates. Like, the new buff bar is amazing. Yeah. Uh, they're taking some of the action combat stuff from the console version and porting it over to the PC version, which is fun. I stuff like smashing pots to gain speed yeah. boosts and whatnot. I, I really enjoyed that in the console yeah, version, no so I'm glad that's moving over. And, uh, yeah, just a, a couple small little quality Stash. of life and UI improvements. Yeah, Stash is Stash. being upgraded. God. <laughs> well,
0: that's the problem. I mean, they're going to want us to hang on to mm-hmm. those set items. Well, what happens? What ends up happening is that in the season, you fill up that seasonal stash, which then gets mailed to you to just
1: try to Honestly, make room somewhere. I don't somewhere. even bother. I'm not emptying ten thousand items out of my mailbox.
0: I just wind up salvaging so much that otherwise I would actually hang on to. And you wind up with a mule or two because you have no choice. So, Mm -hmm. because especially once I heard this, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm hanging on to all my greens now so that I can be working on those sets later on. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Now for the fun. (laughs) No. The thing that's funny about BlizzCon is, and I say this with nothing but love and affection for people who are fans of Blizzard games. We're fans of Blizzard games. And for all the amount of knocking that I'll do on WoW, the fact remains that I've been playing on and off since beta, and I do love the game. I want an excuse to play the game. That's how much I like it, and I want to play it. And it there's elements of it that are still a lot of fun as it stands now and has for hell over a month. Now, there's no reason for me to have to spend every day doing garrisons just so that I could do the free membership for the once or twice that I play in a week. If that to do stuff that I actually would like to do. And sadly they did not announce free to play. So well, that's a what the, the problem is, is that, we we both know a lot of people who are fairly serious WoW fans and Blizzard fans, especially on social media. And people forget during BlizzCon everything that they felt about a game prior to BlizzCon. The hype is so real.
2: I told they, you. They pump something into that.
1: Uh, it's well, not just it, at it, BlizzCon just, because it's, it's in social
2: media get, as well. You, I get, mean, you get caught up in it. And that, that is something that does happen. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, they're like freaking Dory from Finding Nemo. <laughs> if Dory and a sheep had sex, that's who these people are. Because literally a couple of days, the day before, where the information about Legion leaked. And it was it was leaked that the game, that the expansion wouldn't be coming out until end of September. No.
2: That And that's that's the thing. It's an on or before. Yes, I know, but
0: we know that that means it's going to be pretty (laughs) much 21st of September, let's be honest. And that alone makes it so that it's 10 months from now, but there's already been four months without any new content. So you're looking at 14 months of no new content in a game where the last expansion...
1: Even if they exceed expectations and get it out in July... It's still, it's been so, too long.
2: Yeah. And that, that, Roger's hitting a big point there. And that's a, a good, honest point. So, and people forget that. And people are like
0: wigging out. And Twitter's full of friggin' animated gifts to high heaven. Everybody wigging out. This is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Look at this. And I'm going, did you people fucking bonk your heads this morning and forget the to fact that this is not, this is still 14 months without any new content See, and then. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, you bastard. You'll get your chance. I get to rant here for a minute.
1: I am talking now. The
0: problem is, yeah, I've been good and shut up throughout this whole episode. So please, but the the thing is, is that, and I was talking to Joe about this on aim. If this was any other game, I think they'd be sealing their own fate and it would kill the game. I, for 14 I months without any new content, and this is what you're bringing out as the expansion, which we can debate whether or not it's enough. But 14 months, I mean, even even though it is WoW, looking at their dropping numbers, and I mean, if you look at the stats for, for Warlords, it ain't pretty, and it keeps dropping. And we're looking at another 10 months of that. I'd, this could be the nail in the coffin, that they cannot recover from this because... It's batshit crazy that they would push it that far back. I know that it requires a lot of work, but then put more people on it instead of people working on Overwatch and everything else. It's far too long. Or put something out in the interim. Do something for fuck's sakes. So there was this an is... answer
2: to that actually today.
0: All right, let's hear it because apparently I'm done talking.
2: No, no, no. I was just going to say there wasn't. A, there was a response to that because that was every, like that was a big complaint from everybody. Now that BlizzCon is kind of like the the afterglow has worn off and everybody's like in that <laughs> that that hungover state like, oh, my God, did I really sleep with that work? Uh, it, it, it's people are starting to be like, it's still going to be 14 months or 10 months or eight months or however long it is until we get new content. What's going to happen? Uh, Dave Kosak actually, in an interview with every new site, uh, has assured that there is going to be a large spanning world event uh, that will happen in the interim to take us up to the release of Legion. Whatever that entails, I don't know yet, uh, but it is something that very clearly the outcry has, like reach their eyes or their ears. And they're going to try to do something that said, I'm with Roger that they're probably the only game company in the world. that could say, we are going to fuck you for 14 months, not give you a kiss. and You're going to give us money and like it. And people will. And I will freely admit that
1: until it stops working until (laughs) it's going to keep doing it.
2: But I also think that it's, it's one of those things where world of Warcraft has evolved from a game where they want players to log in every day to they fully 100% expect players to drop in those lulls and play their other games. And if you look at their release cycles, let's look at Overwatch. It's releasing at the beginning of of summer, the end of spring. Um, Overwatch
1: actually does have a brilliant release point for a number
2: of reasons. Yes. Um, It has, look at Hearthstone with all the new features that it's putting out, Legacy of the Void. And as a company, they're making a hard push towards esports because there's a lot of fucking money in esports right now. That said, I agree with Roger that 10 months is an exorbitant amount of time for any length of no content or lack of content, and I'm not forgiving them for that. That said, there are features coming to Legion and the expansion that people are genuinely excited about. A lot of them are quality of life improvements. Uh, Probably the biggest one is transmog for a lot of people, and I think that was probably the most excited thing I heard from anybody on any of the panels. Uh, Where they're finally, they're going the Diablo style. Once you unlock something, you have everything. Any quest that you've completed, you have every option for visible, for visual anything from any of those quests. Whether or not you have that item still, and whether or not you chose that item. Uh, You're just going to have everything unlocked. Uh, There's going to be a tabard stores, there's going to be Uh, They're basically trying to address the idea of the game being a casual sort of collector style game. And that's there. So that's pretty that's that's cool. It's a nice feature that they're adding in there.
0: It's nice. But again, these are not the things that are going to keep people in. It's just going to be. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And it'll make life a little easier but it's not going to be something that keeps people sure. interested in the game moving forward. All of these tweaks that they're doing to gameplay and little things like this, quality improvements and, and small features, which um, the coding is intricate, I'm sure, but it's still, all it is is improving on transmog. So sure. that well, is, is not going to now. keep people there when we're looking at the next year lull between
2: Legion and whatever's going to come afterwards. They don't, but that's, a, that's the point I was trying to make to you on aim before is they don't care about keeping the people in the games Uh, those people are going to come back there's going to be that surge when the expansion releases and they're going to make their money and that's that's what it is it's wow is no longer just their only cash cow so they can they can for lack of a better term, not care as much about keeping people logged in every day. And they even said in a lot of their developer panels that that's no longer a design goal. They don't want to make you feel obligated to be in the game. They want to give you the option for everything. It's even so much as they're making it so that raiding isn't even the only way to get story and final, like, end game items anymore. They're putting in Diablo-style rifts for dungeons where you can actually increase the difficulty based off of your composition and power they're they're trying to take a lot of the stuff that they did and make a much more casual game it's wow is no longer the game that we started playing 10 years oh, ago, hell no. 11 years ago and that's and they made that perfectly clear here and i'm not and whether it's right or wrong it's going to depend on the people whether it's the right move for them we'll see but they're not they don't care about having 10 million subscribers 20 million subscribers all the way through because yes they're at 5 million right now Yes, that number is going to go down. I wouldn't be surprised if it dips into the threes or lower. And I expect it will in that interim lull. But when Legion releases, I wouldn't doubt that that number is going to surge back up to seven. Oh, I don't see that. To seven? For, for probably for a couple months. But the, again, we also aren't going to know because they made a very big yeah. bold statement that they're no longer going to release any any subscriber numbers. Well, that's why. Also very telling. But <laughs> yeah, that said... All of that aside, there are some really cool things coming to Legion uh, as far as, like, questing and lore-wise, which, again, is our focus here. Uh, and specifically, they were talking about each individual zone. One of the things that we've we've seen in almost every our, any MMO is that you have a very clear path of what zones you have to go to. You start in a zone, you go to the next level, you go to the next level, and you keep going from zone to zone, and it's all charted out they're trying to make it so that every single zone will scale with you so you can choose your own path, you can choose your own adventure. Each zone is going to have its own contained story culminating in either a dungeon or a zone boss, and they're putting a lot more focus on being out in the world and doing a lot of quests along those lines, trying to get people, they, they listen to people complain about the garrisons, were are like, yeah, we understand we took you out of the world, our bad, let's give you reasons to go out into the world. That's actually a really cool thing. Now, the crafting stuff is kind of, eh, I'm not really too keen on. You go out of the world, you get an NPC, you bring them back to the main hub, whatever. That's been, done, been there, done that. But I do like the idea of having completely contained stories inside of each of one of the zones. They also started looking at progression past max level. Because a lot of times, people just hit max level, they go do their thing, and they don't know what to do. They don't want to raid because they don't have they can't make the time commitment or they don't really want to do dungeons. So they go back and they roll a, a another alt and then they go through the entire grind again. That's boring. Now artifact weapons being in the game being this this big iconic thing. They're giving you reasons to continue to do things in the world to earn traits or earn not XP, but like prestige uh, to level up the weapon. So you have the ability to customize your weapon and as a result, customize your spec and and how your spec interacts after you've hit 110. And you can do it at your leisure. You're not required to go into a raid. You can go do world questing. You can go do, you can do raid stuff. You can do dungeon stuff. And it's, they said that their emphasis here is actually trying to give choice. Now, the one argument that I think roger and i had that i i am very interested to hear this out is they are getting rid of major glyphs and major glyphs have been a thing where it's from an economic standpoint in the game once you buy the glyph and consume it it's done and yes i agree with roger you made a point that these glyphs are made about customizing your characters they're made about customizing your role 100% agree with you that's being shifted over to the artifact weapons. They made that a very clear. They made that a very clear point that that's what they want to do with it. That the artifact weapons are now going to fill that role of Path of the Titans. What was what they wanted it to do years and years ago with Wrath, but never got a chance to actually do, and what Glyphs became that kind of fell short of what they envisioned for it. And I I understand that as a scribe, and I, I know that you were really into that and really kind of helping out your guilds. It's all becoming cosmetic stuff with the addition of scribes giving the ability to allow individual players to buy consumables or to be gifted consumables that allow them to increase the effectiveness of their role or do something cool against the specific boss as a week long consumable. And it's if you want to switch between bosses, you can, if you don't, you don't want to, you don't have to. It's a cool little flavor piece, at least to me as somebody who I kind of got bored with my scribe where it's like, yes, if we're having problems with the boss, we can go ahead and, and get this consumable made and we can go do it. Or if I want to have, you know, lightning chain heels, I can get a consumable and it interacts differently. So it's just they're removing glyphs in the traditional sense, but still trying to give something equivalent. Now, this is where I'm going to ask you, Roger, your take on this after you heard it, you were very upset. Let me have it.
0: Well, see, part of the thing too is that it's – and this is where we're coming into a problem where we're trying to type back and forth a name kind of thing because you can't yeah. convey exactly what it is you're trying to say. And by no means was I then nor now trying to say that I know everything about what they announced at gun. because I, obviously I didn't get the virtual ticket. So I was going by a lot of what I was reading as well and finding out from you and whoever else. Part of my issue with this is – is not, and and this is where we were having a problem because you were thinking, and even as you just said now, because I have a scribe, that's not even it. I I like having the scribe in the same way that I like having uh, different professions to help our guild out. And when you're saying it's one of those things where you use it once and you're done, I'm in a guild with like Sinister and his wife who are alcoholic freaks. So (laughs) being able to provide them with... Uh, glyphs that they can use for all of their alts, as well as myself. You know that. Well, me playing, I love making alts. Uh, hell, I've got a couple of druids on one realm and couple, just because when you hate garrisons like I do and <laughs> warlords, you're gonna go back instead if you want to play the game and just make alts, kind of thing. So there's there's a lot of value to. And, and this is just one profession here that they talked about, but there's a lot of value to being a scribe beyond money-making, sure. especially for those of us who, again, have guilds with, with alcoholics. Now, the thing that, that bothered me about that wasn't, because i am one but because it's taking away a fundamental part of the game that allows you to configure your class a little bit more now you're saying that's going to artifact weapons well I What if I don't want the artifact weapon? What if I want to use another weapon? Because, see, that's one of the issues that I have with artifact weapons is it's actually going to simplify the game insanely.
2: But you can transmog it into literally anything. So Yeah, but that's just
0: the look. I may want to actually use another weapon.
2: What would you use?
0: I'm curious. I'm actually curious. Whatever. I don't care. I might not be interested in the artifact weapon that I'm interested in that grind. And honestly... I'm not. I've read up on the artifact weapons. I'm not interested in it. I really am not. Will I do it? I won't have much choice. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. But now, in order to be able to spec my weapon out, I will have to, or sorry, to spec my class out a little bit more, I am actually going to have to do the artifact. Whereas, again, the glyphs allowed me to come sure, more control over my he, spec.
2: here's where I think the disconnect is too. And I know you've read up on this, but the only time you have to really grind after you hit max level, if you hit max once you hit max level because you get the you get the artifact weapon as soon as you start legion. It's the first thing you do. It's the first quest you get as a class. Um your first quest with it gives you the first power up. And as you hit the max level just from regular questing and doing your normal stuff, you get enough to go deep onto any single tree you want. The only time that the grinding comes in is if you really, after you hit max level, is if you want to unlock, like, everything on the weapon to have it all active at the same time. Otherwise, it's, for lack of a better term, like, lifts, you can go back and redo it whenever you feel like. You can go in and you can change the points around. You can, you know, let's say for me as a healer, there's one that has something that increases my single target heal versus one that gives me... Greater AOE healing. If I want to swap that out in the middle of a fight, or because I feel like doing something different, I can. It's they're they're trying to give that same feel, and it's not I'm not trying to shoehorn you into you absolutely have to do this. By the time you hit 110, which is going to be the new level cap, you're going to have enough to do one complete. Tree on that. But
0: again, they are forcing artif- an
2: artifact weapon on you. And I and I agree with you on that that it's so, a little it's very heavy-handed. And in the case like me, where I really fucking dislike my artifact weapon because it makes no lore sense whatsoever ever. I'm sorry, it's a fucking mage weapon, Blizzard. It's the Scepter of Azara for Resto Shaman with waters from the Well of Eternity. It's arcane font water with
0: Okay, you can't tell, but I'm rolling my eyes. Move on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I mean it's it's and I and I get that and that's a very valid point. I do not and I do not take that away from you. It is something that they are forcing on players and I'll, some people really love and some people really dislike. See, and,
0: they yeah. forced garrisons on us. They did. Sure. It wasn't a matter of oh you can get past it without doing no. They forced it down our throat. And see that's the other thing and and this is where Vince came up with the perfect analogy because Every BlizzCon is the same goddamn thing. And this is, again, going back to my Dory comment where people forget shit. And my faith in them is shot because the announcement of the expansion comes out. They talk about how awesome these new things are. But while they're doing that, they slam the previous expansion. That we know we screwed up with this, this was wrong, we know we screwed up with this, so we're completely revamping this and this. But those are the things that the year before, they've been hyping as the end-all be-all. And it's constantly like that. And Vince, you said it best, so go ahead. Peter Molyneux. Exactly. They are the goddamn Peter Molyneux of MMOs. They, sure. they they promise, they under-deliver, they screw up, they slam themselves later on. Oh, but this next thing is awesome. So in the same breath that they're saying how fucked up garrisons are, class halls are going to be awesome, though. And it's like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> screw you, buddy. So this idea of artifact weapons being jammed down your throat where you And I'm sure it'll be part of the questing and whatnot where you actually have to do it to progress. Well, now the excitement of going out and hoping for a better weapon, something different, something that might change how you play a little bit or whatever kind of thing, shot, gone. Who the hell cares what drops? It won't matter. To be fair, that's
2: been gone for two expansions now, Roger. I
0: I would disagree but you, you min max to the end so I don't so but the thing that you have to keep in mind is not everybody plays like you do where it is I, about end game raiding and things like that and I'm not saying that in a bad way no, but no, you are but in I, I a guild where it's important I'm
2: not that hardcore anymore for a reason I'm more much more laid back cuz I want to have fun not just grind
0: well from a casual standpoint it does still it is still fun going, trying to get different weapons and different things like that. And that's going to be completely gone from the leveling process.
2: And I agree with you. And they're they're doubling down on transmog. They're doubling down on other gear. And they're doubling down on stuff like that um, as opposed to just the weapon. And they're using... And and, and again, I, I I'm not disagreeing with you that the artifact weapons are being shoved down our throats. Whether or not it works or doesn't work is going to remain to be seen, but it's one of those things where I know people that in like you, you're a perfect example. It's not something for you. You're not going to care for it. You're going to have it if you ever play again, but you're not going to really feel good about it. And I think that's part of their problem is, is there enough choice in the, in that artifact weapon to please people that like to do that? I don't know. Okay. What else you got? So moving away from World of Warcraft, just because there's a lot of the stuff they're just implementing there are just quality of life improvements and a lot of just copying what Diablo does and what Diablo has been doing right. Um, we did learn more Once about Over-
1: Diablo show game of the show. <laughs> game, yep, exactly.
2: It was game of the show. <laughs> it was the it was the most important Diablo announcement and the most important Warcraft. Announcement. <laughs> <laughs> um, Overwatch, we got a little bit of news on and this is something that I will definitely agree with Roger on. Uh, the price is too damn high as far as I'm concerned for what we're getting in there. Um, and that's $60 on consoles with no variants for a lower price, uh, and $60. That that is such extreme bullshit to me that that is a slap in the face to console players. Well,
1: I will, if I get it, I'll get it on PC, but the fact that console players are
2: forced to buy what is basically the special edition is bullshit. I 100% agree with you on that. The only reason, and, and Kaplan, oh, I... I don't like Kaplan.
0: I've made that <laughs> abundantly clear over the years. I don't like Kaplan. And the fact that he's in charge of this, just oh. But his excuse, which is what it was for why they're charging for this, was such Bullshit! It was unbelievable, and the idea of well, we didn't want to skimp on this being able to trade, or switch heroes on the fly features, which is very important for this game. Fuck you! You could do that in TF two, and that that game is decades old kind of shit. You can swap heroes and and like don't make it sound like it's such a big deal. So, and Overwatch right now, you want to talk about hype train?
2: Oh my and, god! They're pushing and again, it
0: so hard. I love that type of game. I really, really, really do. My son and I play TF2 like crazy, and this was an argument that we got on in in, in Twitter as well with different people because. It started off just with me kind of ticked off, mildly ticked off. And frankly, I don't care enough that I'm
1: that upset. But because there's no Mac client, to be honest, you're in a perpetual state of ticked off. It's yeah, a matter I'm of a degree. I'm the whole lack of a Mac client.
2: Yeah, that's that's a big thing. But yeah,
0: it's like one of those. It it, it just doesn't make sense. And I know that it boils down to just strictly money. That's yep. all it is. But it's a slap in the face to a community that has supported them since warcraft you know so to not have that in there is really insulting but then like again i'm saying like tf2 is on mac and has been forever you can't just say oh well the coding is hard you know it's, fuck you do it but then people started arguing well, it's not i t like, I'm, not done. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> done on the mac now. but even you're saying like oh, it's not a tf2 clone and i'm going have you looked at this game? I Have you know. played?
2: No, okay. I'm gonna and just because that. I people are say saying, that. I said that they, bullshit,
0: you're saying they're marketing it as something else. I, as, I don't go. I said. I marketing doesn't get to clone. decide what it is. Clone. Marketing I, can tell you that the glass in your hand is a plate. It doesn't make it a plate. You,
2: it's yeah, a TF2
0: clone. That's what it is.
2: Yeah, you're putting, I did not disagree with you at you did. all. I've got the that. tweets. You did. I told you that that's not how they're trying to view it. But they're marketing
0: saying. it. But again, doesn't matter how they market it. The fact is it is what oh, it is. is.
2: It absolutely is a, a TF2 clone. 100%. I guarantee so, you that. Yeah, it is.
0: Again, a lot of the things that they're making a big deal about it, and this is why we're charging. And this is why we're going to be charging for heroes. Although they haven't said they will, but that's a foregone conclusion and shit like that. It's a TF2 clone. It's prettier it's got more heroes to choose from. But even when you watch it, I mean, the healing mechanics are the same following behind mm-hmm. and healing and yep. everything. It's like it's a straight up TF2 clone. So when they try to make it seem like so much more than it is, this $60 price tag, all of this bullshit makes me not want to support them. Makes me want to not buy it, even the $40 one, to support them because. We support, we, 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 our voice is heard with our wallet. And it's one of those where I might not pick this up
2: because of how it's being handled. So this might even push you further into that. Not going to pick it up category because I'm pretty much in that category right now. So they talked about the story of it and how it has a very deep and immersive story that isn't going to be in the game. They're going to be releasing animated shorts and comics in order to convey the story. That right there pisses me off because I play games for the fucking story. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to give me the game like this, and you're going to charge me sixty dollars for it, and then you're going to go ahead and tell me that I need to go spend money elsewhere to figure out what the hell the motivations are for the characters, and then I look at Battleborn, and I look at Battleborn and it's sixty bucks, sure, it's on the same, it's on the same consoles, it's the same number of heroes, but it has a fucking story mode, it has a co-op story mode, and has all the same arena modes that they have in there. And then they were also talking about, they took away a bunch of the game modes, like there's no capture the flag, which is a staple of there. Like, oh, we think that it's too unbalanced and fun. It's not fun. Uh, TF2 capture the flag is one of those games that I think everybody still fucking plays to this day. Yes. If it's unbalanced, guess who can fix that? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or, or the fact that they're talking about, oh, we had this one where you go back and forth to control these five points between you two bases, kind of like, almost like a wrathy basin, but we couldn't, you know, we didn't think that it was fun. It's like, Every shooter game that I've ever played has had something like that. And I think that's been phenomenal. See, the
0: problem is, is that they know, thanks to HOTS, that they're going to be able to sell these heroes. And they're going to be able to sell skins for their heroes. So they're going to create as many of those as possible. And that's going to fuck up gameplay balancing. mm -hmm. So they're going to be taking features out, maps out, because they can't balance the damn things. Because there's too many heroes in the
2: game and see and i look at companies like riot who have a stable of 150 plus champions and still figure out how to balance that shit and i say and i call bullshit you can definitely do it if you want to do it you can spend the time and do it if you want to do it and this makes me really sad because this is one of the titles that i was most excited for because like like you said i like this type of game and the aesthetics were very pleasing to me but as i'm finding out more about this it's it's more and more like it's just going to be nothing but a cash grab, and that really irritates me.
1: Here's what I'll say. for a multiplayer only game, sixty dollars is no, no, thank you. Now forty dollars is a little more palatable, but but it's not a, it it it's not like a day one have to have it. But that is if you know, at that forty dollar price point, I would say, free content updates need to be part of that because if as Kaplan says having access to all of the characters is an important part of the core gameplay you then can't turn around and charge for characters individually post-release you can't you can't have it both ways and well that's, and that's the what thing. They, they want haven't,
2: they haven't committed so one way or it, another whether I, or not they're going to do this either yeah like,
1: we need to know what their plans are for post-release content before we can give a final judgment on the price point it's either eh, a little high or complete bullshit I don't think they're they're at a point where it's going to be yeah that's okay, <laughs> but it, it the degree of terribleness is yet to be determined.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, and that's not to say that like games it's not to say that the game will be bad. I don't know it could be great and people could have a ton of fun with it. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's going to be wildly successful, but it's not going to be for me if this is what they do with it. It's not the type right. Of game I know I'm I won't play it. it enough to justify the price point for me personally. Same here. Now a game there was some other stuff that was coming out that they're talking about with other games too. hearthstones getting a new adventure mode uh where it's going to be single player campaigns that is is going to be free which is cool um i think that's actually really nice that they're adding more free content to that because hearthstone's a fun game i will i will begrudgingly admit that um hots is getting a brand new character they're getting uh actually a first for the moba style games ever it's a two-player controlled character they're getting That's they're getting Cho'Gall. hilariously awesome. Now, and we have a, we have a theory that. on this, because in the, uh, the, pre- the promo, they showed that Chogall's two heads were playing rock, paper, scissors. We're wondering if they're going to put something in there periodically for the players to play rock, paper, scissors to uh, see who controls movement, or whatever the case is. It'll be very interesting to see. And they're also doing kind of an interesting thing with how the character is released. You can't buy him. You get him if you attended BlizzCon or if you bought the virtual ticket. Now before anybody gets angry about it, um, you can invite somebody who doesn't have the character to play it with you. They don't have to have the character. If they play two games with somebody who has the character, he unlocks for that person. If you play four games with somebody who doesn't have the character, you get a ton of in-game rewards, a ton of in-game gold, which is their in-game currency for unlocking everything, literally from skins to mounts to characters. Uh, which is also kind of one of the things I do enjoy about Hots, which I thought I was going to hate, is that you can unlock skins with in-game currency, which is currently makes them the only MOBA-style game that lets people do that. So you can play and unlock everything legitimately. You don't have to spend any money whatsoever on the game.
0: The thing with Shogal, I was actually talking to my son about that. My son plays a crap load of Hots. Yeah, I saw him. <laughs> oh, my God, he loves that game. And, and that's cool. He actually he plays it with his brother. So our other son who doesn't live here anymore, he's married and on his own while he and his wife played as well. So they all get to play and they shoot the breeze together and Skype and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a really good thing. That's why we say play as much as you want with them. But he was talking to me about Chagall and stuff like that. And I was saying like, it's such a gimmick that I could see myself playing it a couple of times just for the fun of it. Then never wanting to play it again. Just because I, the gimmick would
2: drive me nuts. Well, it depends on the implementation of it too, and I can definitely agree with you. It, it depends on how that game it goes. It could be absolutely god awful.
1: I'm waiting for the pro Chogol strats at the next <laughs> tournament.
2: Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's just for me, it's a beer and pretzel game, and I'm going to keep it a beer and pretzel game.
1: I'm yeah, it's a game nice. I'll happily play with friends and not ever otherwise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, t- see, that
0: was a lot of the problem that I had with BlizzCon as well, and. It was one of those, again, as we were talking in AIM, like this is not the blizzard that we have grown with Mm -hmm. at all. It simply is not that anymore and never will be again. And and I'm not going to fight against that and say that they should be something else. They'll do whatever the hell they want. But I have distanced myself from their products. It's it's unbelievable. And it's because of the choices that they've made and how to sell that product or develop it or support it in the years that follow. And in so many of the cases, I just, it's like, I, I just, it's not for me anymore. Esports is, I, I don't want to say it's a generational thing because there are people my age that do keep up with it, but not as many. Not as many. There's it is for a younger crowd for the most part. And I really am not interested in watching be it Starcraft esports, overwatch, any of those really not interested in watching that. I don't care that they have big ass competitions and they award hundreds of thousands of dollars. Really don't care more power to you. And I'm glad people are enjoying it and do it, but it's not for me. So the big esports push for Overwatch, I don't care. I'd just be playing it to enjoy it myself, and then, well, we've already established that there's probably going to be too many things that prevent me from enjoying it and going forward with that. Hots, oh my God, I, I've I've tried playing it, and you want to talk about a it's 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 suffering from the same caustic community, not as bad but it sure is building towards it as only a
2: matter of time. And that's the thing that gets me too. Like people talk about how hots isn't, isn't toxic. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah. The only difference between it and other MOBAs is there's no all chat, but you can still have douchebags on your fucking team. My, (laughs) just a quick, quick story. My, my, my son came
0: downstairs the other day after he'd been playing with my other son and his wife. And they were in a group with someone who spent nothing, but the entire time, bitching at them that they weren't doing good and that he was awesome the entire time. Now my kids are very laid back and it's like, ah, whatever at the time when they finished one match and then they were going into the other one, they're chatting while they're waiting for the next game. And the guy actually asked, why haven't you guys kicked me out yet? I've just been a jackass the whole time. (laughs) And my elder son said, we're trying to make you into a better person. (laughs) <laughs> I was going. Oh God, this is why I love my kids. <laughs> but yeah, like I've been in the groups, and and there's no forgiving any mistakes whatsoever, or choosing a different path for your spec or anything, or not doing
2: what one it's, person says is the thing to do. Yeah, you know?
0: and it's just simply not fun at that point anymore. So their push for esports is branching off in a way that is leaving me behind. And a lot of people like me as well.
2: Yeah. And it's one of those things where I don't care for the esports aspect of that so much. I really don't. And Hans is just a game that I'm going to play with my friends because I tried playing it solo last night. No, no, thank you. I can't. I just, I'm too old for this shit. I really am. I don't have time for that stuff. But I'm going to go ahead and give BlizzCon overall and just it was vastly underwhelming. Oh, I would go a lot further than
0: that based on. And again, you saw a lot more because you saw the you had the virtual pass. I mean, based on what I read from a variety of news sites on everything as it was happening, the the live blogging, the everything on social media, even though people were wigging out. As you're disseminating through ever, all the information, using your common sense because you're not wigging out hype train because you're there, just reading through what is there. I would have been pissed off if I would have bought a virtual ticket, let alone paid the money for a ticket and a flight and the room and board to to go to this event. There, It was insanely underwhelming, especially, again if you're not interested in esports like they when they started off the opening ceremony cuz that you could actually watch mm-hmm. they showed somebody in the front row it was like somebody's grandmother and it was like no doubt this woman plays freaking well i hell she might play other things who knows i don't want to make you know assumptions but I'm going to guess she's a wow player.
1: She's actually currently ranked third in the Witch Doctor yeah. Greater <laughs> Rift <rips> Awards. <underboards.
0: laughs> so I'm thinking here's somebody that is become a loyal fan that they would buy a ticket to go to BlizzCon and support them. And it's because of wow. And I'm going to say that based on the tons of people that I've gotten to know. Over the over a decade of playing Wow, the the fact is is that a lot of people were brought into Blizzard because of it and it felt very much like that part of their fan base was shafted and all their attention was on flashy lights of overwatch and hots. And it's like, man, that really is well. a slap in the face to the fan base
2: you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that esports is a generational thing and they're capitalizing on that generation that has disposable income because they still live at home. That's the way the industry is going. So that's where they're following the dollar signs. I don't hate them for it, but I can disapprove. Will I still play WoW until the servers go dark? Probably. I still enjoy a lot of the game and the people I play with, but yeah, there was not enough there for me to justify going to a BlizzCon. Now, I will probably go next year, not to the con itself, but for a week long vacation to go hang out with friends and get drunk. But I don't really feel a burning need to be inside of that convention anymore. Cause it's not for me.
0: Vince, any parting thoughts on BlizzCon?
1: No. Diablo is <laughs> the grass best. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is, and you, you were kind of moving in this direction is that, so many people in this community, like their identity is that they're Blizzard fans, you know, they're Warcraft fans or whatever. But Blizzard has been such a part of their lives and our lives. I mean, since I was in seventh grade. So I can understand how difficult it is to see that company you grew up with and has been such an incredible part of your personal identity moving in a different direction. But... At some point, you also have to realize that and go, you know what? It's time for me to find a different identity outside of a game company. Because I've seen a lot of people over the past week that, in my opinion, were excited for things that they weren't really excited for. I think it was just – it was a Blizzard thing, so they were trying to be excited for something that they may not necessarily be excited with or down the road might come to regret. Like, hell, today – you have any idea how many people today I saw tweeting – hey, I got my StarCraft Legacy of the Void Special Edition. I don't even remember ordering it because they saw Blizzard thing
2: clicked yep. by yeah. and then just it blindly. So oh, they ended you with that, too. If you go to their site now, it's like you log in. It's the first thing that pops up. Hey, you don't own this game. Would you like to buy it? The only thing that's missing is a little fucking paperclip saying, hey, let me help you order this. Like, people that I have never in my life seen
1: talk about StarCraft have the Legacy of the Void Special Edition because it's a Blizzard Special Edition. It's just, <laughs> and that forgets it's, all the people really weird.
2: And sort of cross stuff too between the other games now. They're yeah. Really pushing.
1: And it, it almost like it comes off as kind of almost creepy to me now where Blizzard knows they can just get away with it because they have this ingrained fan base that will never leave no matter what they do.
0: Yeah. Well, again, that's why I was saying that's why they're going to charge for Overwatch
1: and charge DLC for the heroes because mm-hmm. people will buy it. Because you know what? I, I get it with the you know between Blizzard and Activision they are one of the biggest game studios in the entire world. They are doing the AAA game business decisions and that's they're right. Go ahead, but I think the three of us have come to the realization that okay, we know what they're doing and it might not necessarily be a path we're going to follow them down. I will still 100% support all of the good things they do, but sure. I'm also going to call out the shit that they will try to pull
2: and I'm okay with that. I'll just play Swator. <laughs> that too, oh man, I've been playing the hell out of that.
0: Knights of the Fallen Empire is fucking awesome. <laughs> like we're gonna talk about this later on future episodes where when it's safe to spoil kind of shit. But how far have you gotten in?
1: Uh, I actually, because I started off fresh, so I played through all okay. eight of, like, the starting experiences. And just last night, I finally started leveling a character past the starting planet.
0: Okay. The, I'm on chapter six, I believe is what it is. Six or seven. I think it's six.
1: But, of course, Fallout. So, uh, we'll see how the yeah, really. progress goes. Well. It oh, is, yeah.
0: some of the stuff that's happened in the chapters that I've played have been the best experiences in Swotor period. The the, the, the storyline has been that epic where you're like almost jaw drop, kind of a little, oh, holy shit, just spectacular. I can't wait to see as it continues to progress. The story makes sense. The characters are incredible. Your new companions are awesome. The stories for those are great. Everything has been amazing. Just amazing. So, yeah, I'm very happy to be playing that. With that, we are actually going to stop. This is an extra long episode, but crap, we had a lot to talk about and apparently argue. Thank you for listening.
2: <laughs> I, I don't think there was a lot of argument I think we just argued about the same points from different air, er- like different directions. No,
0: you were wrong, and I was right. So make sure to join us next week on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at ForTheLore.com/live. You can find us, of course, on Twitter at ForTheLore, or individually Joe at Loaders at J, Vince at Simonian, or myself at Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes and Stitchers. Stitcher. See, you had to nail that intro. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking I have to nail at least the exit because you nailed the intro, and I didn't. Anyways, leave us your thoughts.
1: Just just go back and edit the intro. Yeah. Yeah,
0: really. Yeah, I'll put some He's going to
1: add
2: he's going to have like duck quacks in there.
0: No, I'll just burp and then I'll put that in. You can't tell it was my burp. That's it. We're done. No, seriously, we're done. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Eh, forget it. That's it. I'm done.